Chagigat of Yud Amad Aleph, Shir number 2. We are 23 lines from the bottom. We've just discussed um, the concept of Heter Nadarim. The Mishnah said that there's no scriptural source for this. And then we had a group of Tanaim who all brought different sources, different psukim from, from the Torah to, in a sense, give some sort of credence to this law, some sort of scriptural source for this uh, law of Heter Nadarim. We left off with Shmuel, Shmuel's opinion, and he said, mine is better than all of theirs. Um, all of theirs have a, have a difficulty with their proof. Mine doesn't have a difficulty. So now we're seeing 23 lines from the bottom. Omar Rava. Rava says, L'chulu isluhu pircha. L'barmi pircha. All of the Tanaic opinions have a difficulty with them, except for Shmuel. Shmuel's opinion is perfect. There's no difficulty. The imid Rebbe Eliezer, because if we were learning from Rebbe Eliezer, now again, Rebbe Eliezer said that the Torah repeats the word kiyafli. It says kiyafli once and kiyafli twice. When a person utters, and when a person utters, says it twice, one is for the utterance of creating the vow, and the other one is the utterance to annul the vow. So says the Gemara, that's not such a good proof. Because Dilma Kedur Rebbe Yehuda, Sha'ama Mishim Rebbe Tarfain. Maybe it's just coming along. This repetition is coming along to teach the law that Rebbe Yehuda taught in the name of Rebbe Tarfain. Tesanya, as it says in Ebrei, Rebbe Yehuda Oimer, Mishim Rebbe Tarfain. Rebbe Yehuda says in the name of Rebbe Tarfain. La'olam ein echod mehem nazir. Right, so the case is, Rashi explains, where two people are sitting outside and they see a man approaching them. The one man says to, this, to his friend, if that man is a Nazir, then I'm also going to be a Nazir. The other man says, if that man is not a Nazir, then I will be a Nazir. So no matter what, one of them should become a Nazir because either the man approaching is or isn't a Nazir. The Chiddush here is, in the name of Rabbi Tarfoin, is la'olam ein echod mehem Nazir. Neither of them will be a Nazir, no matter what the man approaching happens to be. The reason is, is Shalom Nitna Nazirus because this vow of Nazirus, of becoming a Nazir, is only applicable if a person makes an explicit expression of Nazirus. If a person says, for example, I will be a Nazir, then he's a Nazir. But if a person makes it dependent on information that he doesn't know yet, for example, in this case, where he doesn't know whether the man approaching is or isn't a Nazir, and he makes his Naziris dependent on the reality of that person approaching, that doesn't work. And where does he learn that from? He learns it from the double expression of kiyafli, kiyafli. So therefore, we said that that first opinion is not such a good proof to teach the law of Hetan Adarim, because it could very well be teaching this law of Rabbi Tarfin. Imid Rabbi Yoshua, and if we were learning from Rabbi Yoshua, who was the second opinion we brought up above, who said that the, the source for um, Heter Nadarim is from the Pasuk in Tehillim, which says, um, Hashem nishbati ba'api, that Hashem swore in his anger. And we said that it was only in his anger that he swore, and because it was out of anger, he could cancel it. Says the Gemara, Dilma Omar. Maybe this is what the Torah means to say. Ba'api nishbati ad hadrana bi. Maybe it just means that Hashem made the Shavuah, made the oath when he was angry, so to speak, and he didn't go back on it. It doesn't necessarily mean that because he was angry, he could go back on it. It could just be explaining why Hashem made the Shavuah, because he was angry. Even the Rebbe Yitzchak, what about the third opinion? Rebbe Yitzchak said that when the, the Jews were donating to the Mishkan, it says, that anyone who had generosity of heart, and we learned from that that it was only a binding donation if he if he was if his heart was willing and if his heart was behind him but if he was doing it for some other reason then he could cancel the pledge says the Gemara it's not a good proof because maybe it's just coming along to exclude from the opinion of Shmuel because Shmuel says in general 
that when somebody makes a pledge, if he just decides in his mind and in his heart to make the pledge, even though... Sorry, he, he says that if a person makes a, a pledge in his heart, he has to utter it. He has to make a, a verbal expression in order for it to be binding. Just thinking it is not enough. And what maybe what this Pasuk is coming along to tell us, that by the donations giving to, given to the Mishkan were different, that all, all you needed to have was Nadiv Liboy, all you needed to have was the idea in your mind or your heart, and that would be binding enough. And therefore it's not a good enough proof that it's teaching us the laws of Hetan Adarim. And this is what it's teaching us, that even though by the donations to the Mishkan, even though he didn't express it verbally, um, he's still bound to, it's still a binding oath to donate. Finally, we're going to say that if we would learn out the source of Hetan Adarim from the proof of, of Hananya, um, the nephew of Rabbi Yeshua, maybe not. Maybe that Pasuk, which again was uh, the, the Pasuk that he said was Nishbati uh, Va'akayema, that I made a Shavua and I, will fu- I fulfilled it, I will fulfill it. And we said that obviously if you make a, an oath, you're going to fulfill it. So the Chiddush here was, the inference is, is that a person could make a Shavua, could make a vow and have it cancelled and not need to fulfill it. So we're saying, no, maybe it's coming to teach the law of Rav Gidol Amarav. The Amar Rav Gidol Amarav, he says, How, Where do we know that a person should make a vow in order to fulfill a mitzvah? Rashi explains so that he will fulfill the mitzvah with more alacrity and in a better way. How do we know this is a praiseworthy act? I make a vow and fulfill to keep and to fulfill the, the, your righteous laws, your righteous ju- judgments. So, therefore, it's not a good enough proof to teach us the laws of Hetan Adarim. Ela de Shmuel leis de Pircha, but that final proof of Shmuel, who says, Lo yachil devaroi, that he's not allowed to profane his words, but somebody else is by cancelling it, says, leis le Pircha. There's no argument on that Pasuk. That's a good Pasuk. Omar Rava, ve'itemer Rav Nachman by Yitzchak, Rava, and some say it was Rav Nachman by Yitzchak, he says, Inchi, this is as the, the saying that people say, it's Tava Chadopil Palta Charifta Mimalitsan Dekari, that one sharp, strong pepper is better than a whole basket full of melons, meaning that even though Shmuel was not a Tana, he was an early Amara, and all the other t- all the other opinions were Tanaim, nevertheless all of nevertheless all of those opinions had a difficulty with them, except for Shmuel, who's referred to here as the sharp pepper, the Pilpula Kharifta, there's no um, argument on his um, Pasuk. So just to summarize at this point, we had a whole list of Tanaim bringing four different psukim where we can find a hint to Hetanadorim in somewhere in the, the Torah Shabiksav. We knocked them all out for different reasons. The one that we were left with was Shmuel's opinion, Lo Yachel Devaroi, he's not allowed to profane his words, but somebody else, an expert or a Bezdin, is able to cancel his Nadarim. Now, the Mishnah carried on and said, Hilchah Shabbos. We said about Hilchah Shabbos that it was a whole massive body of halacha, which is only very slightly alluded to in the Torah. We refer to it as a mountain hanging by a hair. The Gemara asks on this and says, Michtav Kasivan. There are many references in the Torah Shebechsav about Shabbos. So how can you call it that it's a mountain hanging only by a hair? Says the Gemara, 
We need this, uh, this idea that it's a mountain hanging by a hair for the law of Rabbi Abba. Meaning the law of Rabbi Abba is something which is a very big concept, which is only very slightly alluded to in the Torah. The Amr Rabbi Abba, because Rabbi Abba says, if somebody digs a pit on Shabbos, and all he needs is the dirt from the pit. He doesn't need the pit itself, he just needs the dirt. He's potter, he's exempt from the, the appropriate korban chattis for transgressing the laws of Shabbos. Now this is what we would refer to as a mountain hanging by a hair, because it's a very big concept with only very slight um, scriptural reference. Command, who is this law going like? Rabbi Shimon. This is in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, the Omar, who holds, that if you do a malacha of Shabbos, a forbidden labor, but it's not needed for the thing itself, meaning digging a hole in the ground is forbidden. But that's only if you want the, the hole. But if you just want the dust or the dirt from the hole, so then he says it's what's called a malacha in a and you'd be potter. Says the Gemara, you could even say that this law is in accordance with Rabbi Yehuda, who argues on uh, Rabbi Shimon, because he, Rabbi Yehuda would say that normally a malach Hashem is you are because Hosam Masakin, that's only if you're fixing up something. Um, uh, right, but over here, where you're digging the pit, Hosam who here you're destroying your courtyard, your back garden, you're making a massive hole in the field. And so therefore you're destroying it. So therefore even he would agree that you'd be potter in such a case. Now, my kaharin atuluyin basara, why is it referred to as a mountain hanging by a hair? So the Gemara explains, because the uniqueness of the laws of Shabbos is that you're only going to be um, forbidden at a Torah level if it was what's called Malachas Machshevis, if it's a considered and a thoughtful act. But if it was, a, if, if it was just a, an act where I didn't want to dig, it's all dependent on your mindset. I didn't want to dig the hole, I just wanted the dirt from it. So then that's not necessarily going to obligate you. Um, and that idea is not written in the Torah. So therefore Chazal referred to it as a mountain hanging by a hair. So just to summarize this last bit, we said that the laws of Shabbos themselves are not going to be considered by Chazal as a mountain hanging by a hair, but the intricate details of Shabbos, in this case we're referring to the concept of Malachis Machshevis, that one would only be obligated um, for breaking Shabbos at a Torah level if one did it out of consideration and in the correct mindful way, that is something which is a massive concept in Hilcha Shabbos, but it's not written in the Torah explicitly.